Well, hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey. Now, as you're listening today, it would be smashing if you could hit subscribe or follow if you haven't already had a chance. Today's guest plays a pivotal role in an all-new LTA schools initiative, which is designed to give huge numbers of primary school children the chance to give our brilliant game a go. He's also been very much involved in the development of the wider LTA youth programme, which will give everyone aged 4 to 18 the opportunity to play tennis. As head of education and community for the LTA, our guest is in a position where he can grow our game. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing how he and the team plan to do just that. Welcome to the show, Mr. Tom Gibbons. Thanks, Rob. Welcome, welcome. How did your tennis journey start, Tom? Well, it was a long time ago. Um, I went to a holiday camp. I think it was an Easter holiday camp, actually. Um, Mum and Dad sent me along. It was probably a little bit later than a lot of kids start playing nowadays. I think I was sort of nine, ten, back end of primary school. Um, but yeah, just really enjoyed it. And it, it's kind of gone from there, really. But then did you start going weekly? You start going regularly? Yeah, I did. I actually joined our local club, which, funnily enough, wasn't where the, the holiday camp was. Um, I joined Leamington Tennis Club, which is the, the first tennis club in the world. It's a uh, claim to fame. Um, and yeah, I've been, well, I was a member there for, for years and had coaching, etc. I love that. Our Stanley, so our Stanley is 11. And uh, when he was mini orange, going through those various ratings and the like, we went to a tournament in Leamington and uh, he did really well. He had a very enjoyable day and we got a little picture next to the sign that says, this is the world's first tennis club. We're going to talk schools today. Out of interest, did you play tennis at, at school? I did a little, but not not too much, actually. Um, played a little bit in, at back end of primary school. We had a great um, primary school teacher who... Um, mad keen on sport which is is half the battle a lot of the times but um secondary school I was kind of jack of all trades definitely not master of any so just filled up the the numbers when it came to the cricket team basketball played a bit of squash as well and, and rugby but yeah a little bit of school but not not as not a huge amount that's one of the amazing opportunities isn't it is that you know everyone plays I go when I go into school now and I see the children they're playing football at break they might be playing handball at break it's not they're not naturally going to play tennis unless there's that relationship with a teacher, with a, with a coach or whatever, because you need a bit of equipment. You need a bit of control. Yeah, you're right. We're, we'll come on to, I, I guess, the new schools program a bit later on. But ju just on the playground and the break time stuff, we're actually doing a really small pilot at the moment with a charity called the Youth Sport Trust to put yeah. playground installations into about 15 primary schools across the country that are tennis focused. So semi-permanent nets, playground markings, rebound walls, things like that. And there's quite an innovative new game that hangs on the, the playground fence as well. So it's a really small pilot. We're just going to learn, see if it does have an impact or not. But hey, well, that sounds really exciting. It really does. I, I mean, yeah, test and learn as well. Finding out if something works before rolling out just makes makes perfect sense. Now, back, back to your journey, Tom. I mean, am I right in thinking that you actually started off your career as a tennis coach? Yeah, I did. Um, I was at the club one Saturday when I was about 16 um, and they were holding a, a, a club open day, as, as most clubs do. Uh, and our head coach, Alexia, sort of grabbed me and asked if I could help out. So a bit short on numbers. And they're expecting a few more through the door than they thought. Um, and it was that day I fell in love with coaching. From that moment onwards, I'm only 16, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and I guess from there, 
back in back in those days, there wasn't anything like tennis leaders. There wasn't even the tennis assistance courses as there was uh, in more recent times. But fell in love with it. Ended up volunteering a bit more substantially, basically saying yes to any opportunity I could. Um, and I actually ended up failing all my A levels as a result. Having two parents as teachers, that went down like a, a lead balloon. Um, but yeah, took my DCA equivalent of the, the level three as it is now when I was 17 straight away. Um, and yeah, coached full time for about four years. There's been a few people who have been on the podcast and they've just said something along the lines of just make sure whatever you do makes you happy. And it sounds like Coach Alexia, by grabbing you on that busy day, she helped you discover your passion. Yeah, she did. Honestly, I, I remember the day really clearly. It was a play tennis day. Um, as they were called back then um, and yeah just just loved it from that moment onwards I didn't do I mean I didn't exactly um, take my A-levels by storm and uh, I do remember like doing a major project on the tennis club which was one thing I was very passionate about I think I did quite well in that one careers advice around sport back then was really quite poor actually and and it's positively come a hell of a long way um, in recent years I think Back then, if you said to a careers advisor, I want a career in sport, it was kind of, A, frowned upon in some, some instances. That's not a proper job, which was a phrase that um, really used to frustrate me. Or they simply didn't know what to advise. My, the, the line of advice I got was, oh, go and speak to your local leisure centre. Um, so it, it's come a long way over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, it's, a, it's an industry. It's, it's a proper career route now for, for many people, which is great. Isn't that great to hear, though, that it, that it is more of a career nowadays because it makes a lot of sport, makes a lot of people happy. So it should be a career's choice. Definitely. And, and we're blessed in tennis that there's genuinely thousands of full time career opportunities in our sport. And not every sport can say that. So um, we, we do need to remind ourselves that we're very lucky. It's so true. And I'll keep grabbing those uh, those teenagers looking to see if they can't uh, do that, the, the, the leaders course. Yeah. Maybe then the, the level one. I've, I've got a, a guy actually, uh, uh, one of my lessons this afternoon, a guy who's just turned 16 in March and he's already done uh, the first two days of his level one, you know, and, and you see that that passion's yeah. there the same way it was for your good self. Come on. And now you, you ended up moving to the Tennis Foundation. How, how did that come about? Um, funnily enough, it goes back to the careers advice. Um, I, I ended up arranging two of my work experience placements myself because, um, it, well, back to my previous answer, that the advice wasn't there. So I did placements with Warwickshire LTA, the county association, and also a great charity that was operating at the time called the Cliff Richard Tennis Foundation. Yep. So Cliff had a great programme that went around the country taking tennis into the thousands of primary schools. Uh, and my then boss, Paul Regan, transferred into the Tennis Foundation, so I got to be made aware. And kind of schools manager or education manager, as it was, for, for tennis was my dream job. Um, and interestingly, I got to a stage of coaching where I was starting not to enjoy it as much, um, which I didn't think I would end up feeling. But I think in a job like coaching or teaching as well, um, if you are starting to feel that, it's probably time to look at things and, and change because it's not fair on the kids, it's not fair on the the parents who are perhaps paying for it as well. So I, I gradually made the move off court and then, yeah, took the job with the TF, which was great. The thing I love about that, Tom, is that you can make something happen. You can make a career path happen by the work experience choices that, that you go after. And I think that, I don't think everyone's necessarily aware of it, but knocking on doors, trying to get the experience in the thing that you're passionate about can make such a massive difference, can't it, when it comes to then securing a role in it? 
definitely uh, I think I said it earlier on but literally I said yes to everything so <laughs> the LCA had a promotional mascot back in the day called Dennis Ball and it was literally his massive tennis ball costume and that was me when I was sort of 15 16 17 um, where, where, where were you where did you do the Dennis, Dennis Ball I went to all sorts of places and met lots of famous people but they didn't know they'd met me because uh, I was completely luckily consumed <laughs> in this costume and no one could uh, could work out who it was but yeah I mean just said yes you know, I've, I've got to tell you a little story there so my wife I met through tennis pretty you know another benefit of tennis and then Becky she was also Dennis Ball she she um no she way. was she did it at, she did the she sported the costume at Wimbledon um wow. so when they would do the LTA like registrations for new members and stuff that was our Becky was dressed as Dennis Ball <laughs> and uh, she went to apply for a job with them um, with the badminton association when she first finished university she came out of university and she wrote them a letter saying you know i used to be dennis ball and uh, i'd be very willing to sport a shuttlecock outfit <laughs> if you needed me to promote badminton and i still think of it now once in a while and it makes me chuckle the things that you write in these applications but hey maybe you guys had the same same outfit at some point you're kind of like brethren even though you didn't know each other you know you'll have an understanding because you've both been that role yeah <laughs> i thought i was special i thought i was the only one but clearly not <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. So, Tennis Foundation, I mean, you spent a long time there, nine years, I think, all in all. What do you look back at, you know, with pride from that chapter? Uh, yeah, great organisation to work for. And it was nice working for a charity as well, something slightly different, not necessarily somewhere I thought I'd end up uh, working in. Um, I, I guess two, two fun things to look back on with, with an element of pride. One was launching Aegon Schools Tennis, which was our initial schools programme with the Tennis Foundation a good sort of 10, 12 years ago, probably now. Um, my then boss, Paul Regan, who led on it, um, and I were in quite a unique-ish position in a way that we were given a blank sheet of paper and quite a bit of investment through the, the new commercial sponsorship at the time and given a really simple brief to get tennis out into as many schools as we could. Um, and, and we did. We got it into thousands of schools and very much with a, a state sector focus as well. Because I think perhaps wrongly to a certain extent, but, but tennis had a an independent school sort of perception and bias in previous years. So we got it out to thousands of schools. I think get everything right, learned some lessons and some of those lessons have been brought forward into the new programme. But kind of the scale and speed we got that out was good. Um, and I think the second thing to look back on, and it goes back to the charity point, was we did and still do actually some charitable partnerships and programs that use tennis as a vehicle for social change and social impact. So not just tennis for playing sake, but we did some great stuff with charities like the Youth Sport Trust, Greenhouse Sports who work in East London and the Prince's Trust actually as well. We do um, a program with some of their kids and pupil referral units. So yeah, it's kind of the big scale stuff, but also the, the stuff that can really sort of change as well. And it's really been given a blank piece of paper, a clear brief, a clear objective and a budget. I mean, you put those three together and that must have been an exciting time because there's complete ownership of that, isn't it? It becomes your baby, your project. And and that just means you really care for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's definitely a good time to look back on. But, but we've grown from there as well, which is good. So you now find yourself as head of education and community at the LTA. Now, if somebody asked you, I guess, 
at the pub outside in a beer garden where we're allowed to be. What your role is all about, Tom, what would you say? Funny enough, someone did. Um, only last weekend, <laughs> we went out for, for dinner with our neighbours, um, kind of escaping from lockdown for, for the first time in a while. And I actually sometimes struggle to describe our job and, and people understand it and get it. But I think in the most simplest of terms, my, my job and our team and our organisation are about improving and increasing opportunities for young people to play tennis, but specifically with me in education settings, so at schools, colleges and universities, uh, and more latterly through the service programme as well, which I, I might take on uh, and talk on about later. Brilliant. I think when, uh, when I worked, I worked in beer and football for years and I ended up going and joining um, a charity agency, a charity marketing agency, and, and they really would, would take clients on who were looking to, to make the world a better place. And this is what you're doing. You know, this is, you're getting more kids playing tennis, getting, you know, opportunities to play in education. That, in my opinion, does make the, the, the world a better place. Um, what in the, in the role, what have you got? Clear goals, objectives, what it is you want to achieve? Yeah, so we've, we've only recently launched LTA Youth Schools, um, as, as I think you know, um, Rob, going into your, your local schools. And essentially, we've got a big focus on primary schools at the moment for the rest of this academic year. And essentially, it's to try and get the programme into as many schools as possible, both the teachers delivering it, using the resources, but very much linking in with coaches uh, and local venues as well, which um, hopefully we'll come on to later as well. Later in the year, we're launching a secondary schools programme. Um, so we're launching that in September, essentially for next academic year. Yes. Um, we've got a colleges programme. We've got a great university programme run by uh, a friend of yours, I know, Alistair Hyam. Yeah, Mr Hyam's a lovely man. Uh, he was my first first coach, actually. Um, on the primary school one, I mean, I, I can see how, how passionate you are about it because of how... You are on social media, you know, on Twitter. Um, you're in conversations with primary schools. You're engaging with primary schools. Uh, I think your passion for it really shines through. It, in terms of uh, that social media side and Twitter, is that something you've consciously decided to do or are you just active on Twitter? So, hey, why not get stuck in? Yeah, I kind of woke up to it, actually, about, about a month ago when, when we launched the programme. Um been on Twitter for a while now but um, just seeing interestingly this year more schools have been playing tennis earlier than they perhaps normally would in my view and I think that's because tennis has been a better sport compared to perhaps some others from a Covid perspective but there are lots and lots of schools delivering before Easter this year uh, more so than I think than before so yeah picked up on that and um, yeah having some engagement with them. Can you tell us about the LTA Youth Schools Programme, what it is, how it came about? So LTA Youth as a whole is the LTA's new innovative junior programme that's trying to essentially capture everything to do with kids uh, and youth tennis in one place. So we did a bit of an audit a couple of years back and believe it or not, there were 25 different products and programmes aimed at kids tennis wow. across the LTA and what was then the Tennis Foundation, which you can kind of look on in two ways, really. You could argue that's great because we're doing stuff, but also from a, a new mum or a dad perspective, coming into sport for the first time, very cluttered and confusing. So LTA Youth is trying to tidy everything up in one place from a brand perspective, but also have a really fresh, modern approach to the content uh, as well. So schools is part of it. Uh, and as I said, the primary schools programme, there's lesson plans, 72 activities for, for PE, all backed up with a video 
that teachers can see it in a real life environment that they're um, sort of uh, re remember. There's personal development content. So using tennis to develop things like passion, respect, resilience, perseverance, all that good stuff. There's content around other subject areas. So that's a little bit different using tennis to deliver maths, English, science, history, et cetera. Um, there's competition and it's all backed up with teacher training. And the game changer, hopefully this time around versus other programs we've done previously is a voucher. So we're able to give each school that completes the training a 250 pound voucher, thanks to support from the Tennis Foundation. And that can be spent either on equipment or ideally um, 10 hours of team teaching support with a local LTA accredited coach to try and build and, and drive those school club links and, and make it easier because it has got harder over the years. From my, my time at digital marketing, the, the, a successful digital campaign is about compelling content and effective amplification. And I know how much content there is within the LTA youth schools and it's really useful content. Um, it's brilliant that there's stuff around life skills, not just about technical skills of how to play, the resilience, the persistence, the respect, all these things. That's brilliant. What I love is that in order to get people to that content, the voucher is the door opener. The voucher, you know, as a tennis coach, I or as a, you know, I can go to a school and say, did you realize that you do this course and you can get the, the voucher? And, you know, as you say, hopefully the school may already have some equipment or the coach may have some equipment and they can spend that that on the coach so that that the coach can go in and form that relationship. And, and honestly, as I'm speaking, it just makes me smile because I'm having such a buzz at our local primary school, going in at lunchtimes, delivering the sessions, uh, using the resources. It's just such a great, great way of introducing, you know, children to us, our, our sport. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in three days a week and that's 200 plus children. You know, if you've got 10 coaches doing the same, that's 2000 plus children, a hundred coaches, 20,000 children, a thousand, 200,000 children. You know, this is, this is amazing. Um, numbers isn't it Tom and um, you know is, is there a, a proactive program to kind of collaborate with coaches in order to get them on, on board and show them the benefits yeah J just on your numbers point um to start with Alistair Hyam who I referenced earlier is very passionate and has done a little bit of research into something he calls the multiplier effect so that works with teachers who are trained as well as coaches you know teachers hopefully stay in the teaching profession for 2030 my parents were both in it for just shy of 40 years. So if, if you have a great intervention with a teacher, they're inspired and deliver tennis to 30 kids that year, then another 30 kids the next year. It just, you know, it's a multiplier effect. So on the coach's point, yeah, definitely. And it's an area we've not been as strong at, actually, in relation to the schools programme in the past. So we've always had decent content for, for teachers and schools. But I think reflecting on learning from the previous programme, we didn't do enough to help and support coaches. And that's where LTA Youth hopefully is, is starting to change that. So the voucher scheme is part of it, not, not a silver bullet by any means. But we've got new tools and resources to help coaches get through the door. There's a webinar. Because it's hard, actually. It's, it's a lot harder than it was 20 years ago. Um, it's a really competitive marketplace. Um, schools are bombarded, not just with fellow sports coaches and sports clubs from, from other sports, but other sectors as well. Um, friend of a friend, the primary PE lead in just outside Bath and I think September before last had 35 emails in one week just from sports providers not saying that's representative across the whole country all the time but that's bonkers and that's what we're up against and that's why we the LTA but collectively as tennis need to make our offer 
um, better than the rest, really. You know, so there's coaches listening and they hear this point that a primary school's got 35 letters from sports providers in a week and you think, am I going to be able to, to make a contact and make a relationship happen? Have you got any any tips for how you would recommend coaches going about trying to nurture and develop that relationship? Yeah, there's, there's no one size fits all approach. So we, I, I guess I could read a couple of tips off and suggestions here. There's loads in a webinar that's on the Coach Secure area of the LTA website as well. Um, we, we've got a, a letter or an email template that we've written in the style that we know head teachers will hopefully react to. And it's written in there their language with the triggers that they want to see that can be used as a fairly basic or standard approach in um, don't give up and, and don't sort of lay back and just wait for them to reply you know head teachers and teachers are busy people they've got lots of important things to, to worry about other than tennis so follow it up with a phone call um, you know once you're in the school you need to nurture and foster that relationship as well so look after your lead contact um, the school secretary is often a, a huge gatekeeper in a school as well um, there's also an interesting tactic around if you've got kids on your program who are members or pupils of a local school that you really want to get into, get them to make the approach for you. Um, it's quite a powerful um, approach. A child going into the head teacher saying, "We really want to do tennis in this school." Similar to parents as well. You know, parents are, are, are really strong voices in the school community. So there's not one simple single way that will work for everyone. But we do need to think differently. And also. You, you related it to your previous career, but we need to really professionalise our approach to schools. Um, we need to think of that first meeting as a pitch. Um, you wouldn't have to 10, 15, 20 years ago, but because it's so competitive now, you, you kind of have to, really. I think it, it reminds me of the sort of Robert the Bruce in that cave up in Scotland all those years ago when he sees the spider climbing the cave wall and it keeps falling down and... You know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try and try again and try in a nice, professional, positive, yeah. enthusiastic manner. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really good. It's, um, it's interesting um, in terms of, I think, the parent point. Um, I, I uh, was coaching a, a county group last week and one of the lovely parents came up and said, you know, I'm going to approach my school. What do I do? Um it is a really interesting point, isn't it? I'm wondering if, from a Derbyshire point of view where I am, whether we could be putting some messages out saying to parents, if tennis isn't delivered in your primary school, why not knock on the door and, you know, let us know if we can support you on it and almost like a matchmaking scheme. Great idea. Really, really like that idea. Um, and I think that could happen organically just through, you know, individual examples like you've, you've said there. But I I'm sure there's something we could do to maybe help or make that easier. Um, I haven't got the answer on the top of my head, but I'm sure I'll, I'll give that some thought. But yeah, definitely. Parent power is huge. Um, oh, I love it. Well, that's the name, isn't it? Parent yeah. power. We've nailed, the, we've nailed the name, just need the details now. It's a, it is a, it's such a fascinating area because when I used to live up in Manchester, Becky and I, we joined a club up there and uh, we put on an open day. And as part of the open day um, amplification, the promotion of it, we went into a... I went into a local school, so I took a day's holiday at the time from my work, went into a local school, and I, I said, how many of you have picked up a tennis racket before? And then I think there might have been one or two children. You know, this is in a big assembly. And, you know, if we can, if we can get school in, if we can get tennis into the school, 
wouldn't it be amazing to see all those hands go up and, and go up with a smile on the face? Definitely. Um, and it's one of the reasons as well that the, the LTA youth programme kind of has different strands to it. So, yes, we've got some really great PE resources to get tennis on the PE curriculum and perhaps after school or breakfast and lunchtime clubs. But it's that personal development content that is around assemblies and classroom based challenges and the cross curricular stuff, which actually has a, an Olympic and Paralympic theme. So it's different ways of embedding our sport into schools. And it's all content that if they want to, coaches can use as their own to strengthen the offer. So rather than just going in and saying, would you like some tennis lessons, which is great, it just might not cut it nowadays. If you package everything up together, you've got a really compelling offer. Here's to making it happen. Have you had, have you, is it too early, Tom? Have you had any results in, in terms of the primary schools and how, how it's going? Yeah, no, not, not too early at all. We've got some initial stats that I'll fire off, but we are going to do some, uh, it's either going to be twice a year or three times a year, some impact surveys to actually understand and get a bit deeper. Um, but in terms of the initial uptake, we've had 8,000 teachers register with the wow. programme um, and just shy of 3,000 teachers have completed the training already. Um, and bearing in mind, we only launched on 17th of March. Um, that's a really solid start. It, it's ahead of our forecast uh, anyway. So, yeah, we're, we, we're, we're not letting up. We want to train as many as we can. You've set your targets. It's very nice that that graph is above that target. Eh? It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in a good place, but we, we want to go even further. So. Well, it's, it's brilliant that you, um, you're coming on to talk about it. I mean, I know you went on to the, the coaches support, Tennis Coaches Support yeah. Network group on, on Facebook as well, which, uh, which I found a really useful place for, for ideas, content, knowledge sharing, collaboration. Are you getting yourself out and about to spread the word as well? Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah, that, that's a really good group of engaged coaches. We had a, a good live webinar with some great questions, backwards and forwards. Um, I think it's about you know, partly what I said earlier, recognising it is hard. It's a brilliant sort of subsector to work in of our sport, but it requires effort and, and, and skill as well. You know, working, coaching in schools is not for everyone. Um, a lot of high performance coaches don't like working in schools. That's a generalisation. But um, yeah, it, it definitely requires a skill and a passion. I mean, my voice is recovering now. But uh, the reason it's slightly hoarse is because I'm not used to teaching 30 children at once. And, uh, do you know, Mrs. Mrs. Gaskin, who maybe she'll listen in today, and um, she, uh, she gave me, uh, she said, you need a whistle. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a whistle now. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, children, children, just one blow, you know, in the back. It, it's, it is it. I mean, teaching 30 children is what a skill to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah, I've, I've not done it for a little while, but a tactic I used to use, I learned it on the Cliff Richard Trail, actually, back in the day was if you've got a really loud class, whisper. So your entire sort of volume throughout the session is whispering and the kids become really curious to it. And because they can't hear you, they kind of, they have to stop and they have to listen. So my natural reaction when I started out was to shout as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really chaotic, but it doesn't work in every case. But it's quite an interesting tactic that you're really quiet, particularly with the younger ones. Right, Tom, I'm going to, uh, you know, it's not my natural state. Whenever I do karaoke, they have to turn me down because I'm like, boom. So I'm going to try the whispering, the whispering next week. We'll see how we get on with it.
I'm not guaranteeing it, but it's definitely worth a try. It's worth a shot. Hey now, and um, and the secondary schools programs to come. Yeah, we were due to launch at the same time, but sadly COVID struck, um, and we we had two weeks of filming planned in a secondary school in Birmingham to to film the content, and it got cancelled in November because of the lockdown, and then cancelled in January because of the lockdown. So had to take the tough decision to to push it back to September. Um, similar approach in terms of it's part of LTA Youth, so everything looks and feels the same. Similar approach in terms of being different strands so again there's some really hopefully great PE content but there's some life skills stuff we're revamping tennis leaders there's something on employability something on mental health and well-being um PE in secondary schools has gone through a tough tough period um, it's been squeezed a lot because of the pressure around exams and grades so again having a different angle on things and the mental health and well-being angle being one really important one that cuts through quite rightly hopefully that will help us cut through um, a bit deeper than we would have done before. I look forward to hearing all about it. Um, I mean, in terms of the LTA youth, I sometimes think with the with with LTA youth, the connotations of that word youth with between kind of that period between childhood and, and adulthood. Yeah, I know LTA youth is, it, it, it's for young children. How, how are you making sure that the word's out to parents that the LTA youth is for that whole community of children? Yeah, I've heard, heard that before. Um, it's all based on research, I guess, as a, as a starting point. What we were finding with mini tennis, and this was actually the case for a few years, was kids weren't liking the word mini anymore. <laughs> they, they did sort of 15, 20 years ago when, when that product was developed. But, you know, sort of mini orange onwards, kids were really turned off by being called mini and it just wasn't, wasn't relevant or appropriate anymore. So worked with um, a kids research agency, um, tested various different concepts and different words out. And I guess as a starter, it's tough finding one word or one brand that works for four to 18, right? That, that's probably quite unique. So landed on youth, it's definitely overaged because again, that's some, some of the research coming through now. Kids want to see themselves as older. But to answer your question directly, it's all around the supporting narrative, the supporting campaigns and the comms to parents to make sure that they get the fact it is, you know, right from four through to 18. It's really interesting that I can, I can imagine some of my mini orange or mini greens. Yeah, if, 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 if I was to call them mini, I'm not sure. I don't think it would go down particularly well. And it's almost like they're the reverse of it then, isn't it? Because if you go LTA youth, but you put the word start. So you've got the sub brand, which is start, and you've got the umbrella brand, which is LTA youth. It's how you use the words alongside it to make the relevance to the four year old. Yeah, yeah, you're right. For sure. Excellent. Now, um, 2021, what are you really excited about, Tom, in your role now and moving forward and beyond that? What, what's exciting you? Um, well, I guess, I guess after last year, just getting everyone back on court and opening the sport up again. Um, it's a really, really important year for, for our sport. Um, and collectively, we've really got to capitalise on, on the interest and the demand that's there. Um, so I'm hearing lots of stories from coaches that the demand at the moment is huge, which yeah. is brilliant. Um, we've got to capitalise on that and work really hard to retain it. Um, so I guess the, the obvious first point would be, um, yeah, just getting everyone back in the sport and the country more widely opening up, I guess. It's a really interesting point because I know how busy we are. I, I think I could be working morning, noon and night, you know, and I was chatting actually to a fellow coach this morning and just saying, it's really, really tough, but we're going to have to learn to say no on some things because of, you know, your own health, 
you know, if you do too many hours, like you were saying earlier, when you're coaching, maybe doing too many hours on court is what, what sometimes leads to that kind of losing the, the pure enthusiasm you have for it. Yet also as coaches, we're aware and, and we're driven by getting people playing our sport. And there is such demand at the moment that, that actually, you know, workforce and how we get more coaches and how we get more support, etc. Um, which I think in itself is really interesting with, with the qualifications that are coming, like, you know, level two tennis instructors, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it, it is actually um, a real opportunity for us, isn't it, as a tennis community? It's how we, how we make sure we service that demand in, in a healthy manner. Yeah, uh, interesting practical example on that. We, we run a, a programme called the Schools Tennis Roadshow. Um, don't know if you know a guy called Phil Layton, one of the best schools coaches out there, in, in my view. And he spends a week in a particular town or city doing school taster sessions, sole intention of driving them to the club or the centre open days on the Saturday and Sunday, and then essentially converting them onto LTAU Start or, or the club programme. Um, great programme. But last week he did a pilot in the COVID world and he had to stop promoting the, the open weekends at the end of Wednesday. It's the first time that's ever happened. He was on track to get 650 kids to the Saturday and Sunday. Wow. And he ended up converting 187 of them onto the club programme. You know, broke all records. That programme's probably rolled out 100 times so far, and that's the biggest numbers ever. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And, and it, I mean, it's, it's so exciting, actually, that the, 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 the children in particular, I mean, adults as well, but the children are excited to give our sport a go. Um, and yeah, here's to here's just to trying to make the most of it and get as many people as we can playing tennis because I just love it when you're at the tennis club um, and you see the courts full of you know full from from teeny you know little four year olds on an LTA youth start all the way through to your more veterans and everything in between. It's a buzz, isn't it? It definitely is. Yeah, and we've got the added element of the Olympics and Paralympics as well which I should mention this year, you know, coming up later into the summer, early autumn. Um, having worked in the, the Tennis Foundation for a few years, got to know some of our wheelchair athletes and, and their support staff really well. And it's such an important event in their calendar. Um, so, yeah, that's something else to look forward to this year. I've been following uh, Jordan Whiteley. I watched a video. It was a Tennis Foundation video, actually, Tom, where she was talking about, uh, you know, her passions and things like that. And our one of our lads is a big Arsenal fan and she was talking about Arsenal and she just came across ever so well in the interview. And uh, so I started following her career a little bit. I can't, I can't wait to see how she gets on in Paralympics. Yeah, she's great. Anything else personally that you're really, really buzzing about? I know generally that kind of, you know, tennis opening up, it's back. You've obviously got your LTA youth, your, your schools, you've got plenty on your plate. Any, anything else that you're buzzing about? Yeah, the, the service programme, which I don't, don't think we've talked about yet, but um, the LTA service programme is a programme that takes tennis into non-traditional tennis environments. So predominantly mosques, other faith centres, youth clubs. And we work with a couple of national partners like Street Games and Sporting Equals, who are experts and specialists in delivering sport to lower socioeconomic communities um and prior to covid we got that program into 218 venues up and down the country um covid hits and we're now desperately trying to get that figure back up to where it was pre-covid um this year 
and then pretty significant growth targets thereafter because it's it's a hidden gem the, the service program and again it's it has two aims really it's around participation in non-traditional areas but it's also got a social change element to it as well so there's a social change program that looks at how tennis can help integrate youngsters from different communities where there's a social cohesion issue perhaps health and well-being self-confidence there's a whole sort of off-court element to it as well um, and what's different about that program compared to how perhaps it would have been done in the past is we train the community leaders in their own environment so rather than parachuting you or me into a mosque to deliver tennis we train the leaders within that mosque to deliver it themselves um, and then work with the local community for, for other exit routes but it's a yeah, really good program it's not one i'm familiar with so it's brilliant to hear about it and i love it because it's getting our game to places that maybe in the past it for whatever reason it just hasn't reached and and tennis is a game for everybody and if it, it, it being able to to get into areas we haven't reached that's just amazing isn't it yeah yeah come on now do you think um this is one i always sort of I, i'm a football coach as well you know i love cricket i love I don't think there's a sport really. Well, I get I used to get a bit scared at rugby, but most sports I love. Do you think that we as tennis evangelists need to compete against the other sports to try and persuade children to try our sport? I know, you know, sort of multi-sport approach works, but I guess, you know, kids do naturally gravitate towards football. How do you view that? Do we need to compete or how does it work? Yes and no, which I know is a, a rubbish answer, but <laughs> I think that the, the size of the resource behind football particularly probably suggests that other sports won't beat it, in inverting commas. Um, and lots of parents as well, and I, I certainly would when hopefully I become a dad, want their kids to try loads of different sports and activities rather than yes. just completely specialising on, on, on one sport solely uh, too earlier on. But um, yeah, it can be tough. It's more competitive now than it ever has been. Um, and it's why we've got things like LTA Youth Start. You know, it, it's a really high value, good value package, six lessons, racket, ball set, T-shirt, etc. Um, and on the cost issue, um, I guess a differentiator for tennis is that the majority of tennis coaching programmes are run by professional coaches, whereas other sports, you know, you've, you've referenced football, I dropped my nephews off to athletics last night and it's entirely volunteer led. So I think it's 60 quid for Isaac and Oscar to do athletics for the whole year, um, you know, which run by professional coaches, that, that's not a possibility. Do you know, on that point, I think this is a really interesting point because you get, we're getting a lot of um, children, students who, who want to go into sport, who want to be professional sports coaches. And I think one of the amazing things for tennis is that our setup allows you to be a professional tennis coach. Yeah, which is amazing. And hopefully that means that the quality of the lessons that you're delivering, the techniques, the, the life lessons, the enthusiasm, that hopefully they're going to get a good experience. It's a really interesting point that I think football is perhaps more affordable. Like you're saying, athletics is perhaps a bit more affordable because it's been delivered by amateurs essentially you know you do your level one in football I've done my level one in football I'm an amateur I've seen actually recently a guy's been doing some training for our football team he's he's more qualified than I am his sessions are better than mine when I go to see uh one of my other uh, one of our sons plays in a team and he's his his 
football coach just happens to be very overqualified because his, his son uh, is in the team. The quality of the session is amazing. Maybe in some respects, it's like, do the other sports need to go the other way a little bit? You know, if you get uh, a football coach who is making an incredible difference to a team in terms of the skills, the knowledge, that the approach and everything, maybe they should be getting paid because yeah. it, they improve the service. So I do think it works both ways and maybe it's meeting in the middle sometime. I, I guess the challenge for our sport is that it is such a technical sport um, to learn the, the different stroke paths, etc., to be able to do it well. It, it does need some some technical sort of training. And, that, and personally, just where I've got it is, I still believe I can do that in groups of two and three and four to, I could teach to serve to four children in a similar way I could to one and just doing it that way makes it more affordable. I think. Definitely. I think there's a perception point as well that we need to work, continue to work hard on, on beating. Um, Absolutely. Tennis can be expensive in in certain cases, but in a lot of cases it isn't. Um, My local club, I think it's 50 quid a year for for membership. Um, Yeah. You know, and it's a couple of quid a, a week for, for coaching. Now, yes, that might not be affordable for, for everyone. And that's why we work with partners like Tennis for Free um, and other operators on more park sites across the country than, than we've ever done before. But um, I think we need to, you know, break some perceptions and break some barriers down that tennis isn't an expensive sport per se, because it, it simply isn't. It kind of links into objectives in its own way. Because if the objective for a, um, a parent is for their child to go on to become a Wimbledon champion, then maybe, maybe it is going to get expensive along the way there. But if the objective is for your child to have fun, learn a new skill, uh, sociability. I mean, I loved it last night. I loved it last night, Tom. There was two lads who, who come to our class. And at the end, the parents exchange phone numbers because they're from different schools, but they get on so well that they want to have a game of tennis. Like that to me, that's Brilliant. what it's about. Now that isn't something that's expensive. So I think you are right. We do have to challenge the perceptions of it. Yeah. Brilliant. Great story that as well. Come on. Now, um, two questions we ask everybody to finish, Tom. Firstly, if you were put in charge of world tennis, you could launch one initiative or make one change. What would it be and why? Well, I'm sure that will never happen as a, as a starting point anyway. Um, Good question. I'm going to give a silly answer and it's just a topical one because so many teachers struggle um, with this with the the children. And it's the swapping sides to serve on a tie break for for mini matches in our school's competitions. It drives so many teachers insane. The whole, you know, serve from one side and then it swap every two sides and swap and ends at six. Um, Yeah, teachers are are forever sort of um, commenting about how hard that is. So hardly a groundbreaking game-changing decision but yeah that's just a topical one at the moment hey, i love it and is that and, and, and it's specifically that after six points you have to change ends yeah and it's more actually the the sides you know so so from the right for one and then it swaps every two points and yeah. when doubles comes into the mix as well in a primary school that that can be a bit carnage at times so. it, it's really interesting though because when like when i've umpired you know when you referee red matches and you know so eight of them i'm very stressful I find it so stressful. Yeah. I have to be so well prepared. I have to have my little pad with all my things so I get the yeah. scores right. But then inevitably, I forget after six points. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, I've forgotten. And you're right. I mean, 
when you're teaching the kids in terms of playing competitive points, half the battle is now you stand there, now you stand now, And it is, it, I like this. So how are you going to simplify it? What's the new rule? Didn't say I had an answer. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure we've got, um, we've got an answer up our sleeves at the moment, but I, I think it's part, I think once people get their heads around it, it's fine. It's just partly that point that primary schools teachers quite rightly aren't tennis specialists. You know, they've got a million and one other things. So, um, there's just the odd one or two things that, that they find a bit more challenging. It is interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, otherwise just serve where you want. <laughs> like, it could get a bit chaotic. Yeah. Hey, once a ponder. Now, finally, if you could go for a drink with anybody alive or dead, who would it be and why? Another great question. Um, I've actually ended up watching quite a few old cookery programmes and old dramas over, over lockdown. Um, I like my food. I like wine. Um, and I've seen quite a bit of Keith Floyd. Yeah. Old cookery shows. <laughs> this is a slightly random answer, but recently, and I think uh, a long lunch with him would have probably been quite fun. Wouldn't it just? My grandpa, who is, uh, he's passed away now, but uh, he's such a, he was a lovely man and he was a big Keith. He was a, he was a fan. Floyd, when the red wine was flowing, wasn't it? Liberally flowing on his tours around. Yeah. And yeah, he always looked like he was, eating incredibly well, having lots of fun, which surely that's what your spare time's yeah. all about. Even some of the, the you know, the, the later chefs on the telly, I think some of those would be quite quite fun to have a lunch or a dinner with. Too right. Too right. Hey, well, Tom, it's a good answer. And it's it's been so lovely to talk to you. I just, I think, you know, as, as a coach on the ground, um, I'm so excited to go into my local primary school. I'm, I'm hoping to go into another one soon too, and maybe another couple of schools. And uh, I just believe that um, it's so important um, for getting our kids to play tennis and, and, you know, and therefore as a coach, um, you know, seeing what the governing body is doing and, and how you're helping us do that with the LTA youth schools, with the voucher, with the resources, just the understanding that the schools is so important to us, just brilliant. So onwards, onwards and all the very best with it. Great stuff. Thanks, Rob.